welcome to the narrator presents i'm your host narrator and today we're going to be doing something a little different we're going to be jumping into the tale series now what i mean by the tale series is we're going to be looking at the counterberry tales by jeffrey chaucer and there's a lot of these tales about 29 30 of these tales so it's a lot of these uh, bad boys right so we're going to be looking at a few we're not going to do all of them here we're going to be looking at maybe six tales in total uh, the best tales that I, I think were the funniest and the most perverted and insane <laughs> of the Canterbury Tales. So we're going to be looking at that. And we're going to start off with this specific episode as an introduction to the tale series. So I'm going to talk about Geoffrey Chaucer here a little bit. And then after this, we jump right into the tales. All right. So Geoffrey Chaucer, this is a, a dude who lived back in the 14th century. So we're talking about like medieval times here, the Dark Ages, right? Now, what Geoffrey Chaucer did with the Canterbury Tales is he satirizes life in the late Middle Ages, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic thing to do. Now, what's interesting is if you've never heard of the Canterbury Tales or you're not familiar with the Canterbury Tales, let me go ahead and break it down for you real quick. So, the Canterbury Tales, it's an exciting story of just, it's like high-end adventure, man, I'm telling you. So, let me go ahead and break it down for you. So, uh, hold on to your seat because this is some suspenseful stuff here. All right, so what happens is you have like a group of pilgrims, right? And they're all meet up at this inn. And basically what they're going to be doing is they're going from this inn and they're, they're going to go on a pilgrimage to Canterbury Cathedral to visit uh, a saint that's there, uh, you know, a dead dude here, who is basically, you know, saintly. And what they're going to do is basically kiss the guy, you know, to hopefully uh, find some spiritual enlightenment or maybe if they're, ill you know going on this pilgrimage to essentially maybe find health or so which i'll get into in a second but before that so this is what they do they all gather around this hotel right and in this inn and they all decide oh we're all pilgrims we're all going to canterbury let's all go together fantastic so here's where it gets crazy right so they all get together and they start going from the inn to canterbury cathedral right and on their way to canterbury cathedral nothing happens that's it that's the end of it that's that. That's the Canterbury Tales. So there you go. All right. So that was a quick episode, guys. I'll catch you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. All right. So uh, essentially, that is what happens. Nothing happens. The Canterbury Tales, in that sense, is the most boring piece of literature I've ever read in my entire life on that end. But what makes the Canterbury Tales actually worth reading are the tales themselves. So what happens is the characters, these pilgrims, as they're walking to Canterbury Cathedral, yeah, nothing happens, but they do tell tales to each other. And these tales are hilarious, perverted. Uh, some could be heartbreaking, right? So essentially, they, the, the, it's the tales. The tales are the most interesting part of this whole entire thing. Otherwise, why are we reading this now, you know? I mean, why do we read anything that's old? I have no idea. But anywho, it's just, I'm just kidding. Jumping into this, it's it's a good way to see what medieval life was like, right? So we're going to jump into it because I promise you the tales are good. They, de they definitely are interesting for sure. Now, like I was saying, uh, Geoffrey Chaucer was uh, alive in the 14th century. He was the son of a, of a wine merchant, I believe. And the dude was educated very well. You know, he served in royal households and admin positions. So he was an admin. Ooh, fantastic. So essentially, he basically served a lot of royalty, which was great. And he had a variety of jobs, so he witnessed the economic, political, and social changes in England, to be honest with you. And that's actually, that gave him an advantage as a writer. So essentially, Chaucer's work, experience, and travel afforded him with the ability to see people from all levels of society, right? 
So this exposure allows me to write characters who represent the lower, middle, and upper classes. Now this is very interesting because up until Chaucer's time, right, the 14th century, if you look at things from before, like Beowulf, um, pretty much the Knights of the Round Table, right, King Arthur, I believe we covered the Lady of Shalott in the last episode. Well, you'll if you notice, it's always about kings and royalty. Even Beowulf's about kings and royalty. That's it. It's all about high society there's no you know the upper class there's no middle class no lower class nobody gives a crap about the middle class or lower class right until jeffrey chaucer comes into onto the scene now jeffrey chaucer saw people from all levels of society all the stratas of society right so what chaucer does essentially is he goes about and he starts to write about the lower class he starts to write about the middle class and obviously he writes about the upper class and so he decides to create the the work of his life essentially the canterbury tales and what's interesting about the canterbury tales is that it was written in middle english right so it was the primary language spoken by the population but it wasn't all the language that was spoken throughout the entire land of england here because middle english was there but also was old english and all that good stuff now what ends up happening is because the canterbury tales was written in middle english it becomes very popular and because it becomes so popular Believe it or not, the primary language for the royal courts and upper class as well becomes Middle English. And not only is the upper class and the middle class, but lower class, they're all speaking about Middle English around here at this point in time. So it becomes, that's actually what the Canterbury Tales does. Now Chaucer is called the father of English literature because he pretty much starts it off with these tales here. And the tales themselves, right? The tales, it tells a larger tale of the journey of the pilgrim to Canterbury Cathedral, like I told you before. And essentially nothing happens on that journey except for these pilgrims just telling each other these these magical tales or these tales really they're, they're they are good they're hilarious I'm telling you they're, they're not bad now and again these uh, these pilgrims their tales their storytelling they're from all over the place so you have people who are like for example you have a nun a knight a cook a monk a merchant so on and so forth and they're all over the place now the premise of the Canterbury Tales so we uh, get the setup here so Chaucer uses a pilgrimage, uh, which is essentially the religious journey, if you're not familiar with that, as a way for 29 characters to share their stories. Now, leaving from the Tabard Inn, which is the inn that they pretty much start from, the pilgrims are introduced to, or rather instructed to tell, two tales on the way to Canterbury Cathedral and two tales on the return journey. Uh, best tale will be rewarded by the inn owner and host of the journey. So it's almost like a competition. Who could tell the best tale, you know? And they kind of get they get carried away at that point. <laughs> oh man, let me tell you. And I, I laugh now because I'm just thinking about these tales. The first tale we're going to be jumping into is the Miller's Tale, and it is it. If you pay attention to that thing, it is so messed up. It's just it's hilarious. It's like straight up comedy, and it's a good way of seeing society back in the Middle Ages. They weren't like some dull, boring society, you know, that all they did was like farm and stuff. They actually had a sense of humor. They were pretty raunchy, messed up people. I'll tell you that much right now. At least judging from these tales. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this. Now what happens is just a little bit on the premise here. Uh, we have essentially uh, pilgrimages were popular in the period during the medieval uh, period here. So it showed devotion and healing properties. And essentially the Archbishop Thomas of Becket uh, was murdered inside Can uh, Canterbury Cathedral in 1170. Yeah, I believe it was 1170 when he disagreed with King Henry II over church rights and privileges. So, essentially, you have some scandalous things going on during this time period, right? Now, what ends up happening because 
Thomas Aquinas gets murdered, he basically becomes a saint. The church kind of makes him into a saint at that point in time. Now, the structure of the Canterbury Tales, it's three parts. You have the general prologue, the character's prologue, and the character's tales. We're only really going to be focusing on the character's tales. Well, I'm not, not going to be doing the general prologue. If you want to check that out, you know, jump into it on your own. I'm just going to look at specific tales, like I told you, that I selected. And we're going to look at those tales only. And if they do have a prologue, I'll definitely jump into the character's prologue as well. If it goes with the tale, if it doesn't, just jumping right into it. All right, guys, uh, essentially, that's all we really need to know for this series, really. There's a lot going on there, but there is a few things I want to say real quick about Geoffrey Chaucer. I mean, this guy, he, aside from being, yes, the, grand, the, the father of English literature, if we could put him that way, and, you know, the author of the Canterbury Tales, which we're, st we're still reading today, it's pretty intense. There's a few things to know about. Chaucer, the darker things that, you know, you may not have known about Chaucer. So, for example, did you know that Chaucer was accused of rape? Yeah, he was. So, what ended up happening, long story short, Chaucer gets accused of rape by a woman who... Now, because Chaucer was of a good standing, and what I mean by that is he was he was well taken care of by the royalty, the royal family. Uh, Chaucer was a very educated servant. Uh, he knew how to keep his mouth shut. So, this were, these were valuable things for a king or a queen. So they weren't just going to, you know, get rid of Chaucer because and get hire somebody else who probably isn't as educated and who's an idiot and just, you know, goes around town blabbing the king and queen's business, right? So they'll definitely take care of Chaucer. So this, this woman who accuses Chaucer of rape basically ends up saying that, oh, nope, my bad, he didn't rape me, uh, end, end of story. And the charges were dropped on Chaucer. Strange, right? I don't know. I like to think that what ended up happening there was maybe he did get a little too frisky with this girl and maybe he did do what, what this woman, this poor woman was saying and she was paid off to say that she was just making things up, you know. I wouldn't be surprised. But again, I don't know. I don't know the facts there. If you're interested in looking into that, definitely go into it. It's a very interesting situation. I really don't know what happened. And on that same note, pretty much Chaucer was also held up for ransom. I believe he was going to Italy somewhere and he gets caught and the people who catch him hold him for ransom and the king actually pays the ransom because again why because he's a very educated servant he's a rare servant really so the king has chaucer's back all right and the final thing i know i know i do this too many times but the final thing i promise is that chaucer uh, aside from the canterbury tales he also he was, primarily he was a poet i mean the canterbury tells themselves it's a verse poem it's essentially is what it is just a long verse poem and well, he also wrote he also wrote poetry, and he wrote a poem called The Parliament of Fowls. Now, this poem is basically, it, it's attributed to St. Valentine's Day, or rather, it references the idea that St. Valentine's Day is a special day for lovers. So, in a way, Geoffrey Chaucer is really the creator or popularizing St. Valentine's Day to this day. I mean, St. Valentine's Day comes around, card companies get super excited because, you know, they're about to make a ton of money, a bunch of people who buy these cards, you know, for Valentine's Day and all this fun stuff. So, essentially, it's Jeffrey Chaucer who really kind of started that whole idea. And uh, for it's funny because for a guy who was, who wrote, you know, a poem, you know, who was a poet, a good poet at that, he didn't really write love poetry to his wife. You know, th th that wasn't really a thing back in those days. So, if you're interested in that. Definitely go down a rabbit hole because there's a lot of crazy things in the middle ages that are just nuts. But anyways, guys, that's enough of my chat here for today. So what follows now in the next episode, we're going to be looking at the Miller's Tale. 
and the, the tail series. So again, be doing about maybe six of the Canterbury Tales. And if you're interested in the rest of them, I highly recommend you check them out. They're not bad. I'm also going to go ahead and link the book that I'm using for this series right here in the description. I'll probably just keep putting the, that same link in all the descriptions for the, the tail series. All right, guys, so catch you all later, and I hope you enjoy the tail series.